Hi, this is Joel Hodson, the creator of Mystery Science Theater 3000. You're listening to Monster Kid Radio. Why don't you? Welcome to episode 109 of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. We're doing things a little bit different this year. Oh, by the way, I'm your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. You'll have to forgive me if I'm a little scatterbrained because I am at Monster Bash 2014, my first time I've been to the bash. I've heard stories. I've heard the legends. I'm going to find out if they're all true, and I'm going to have a blast doing it. And as I've been saying for weeks, I am not the only person here at the bash standing to my left. Frequent Monster Kid Radio contributors, Scott Morris, Tracy Morris, two of my dearest friends in the world. How are you guys doing? I am pumped to be here. I am so excited to be here as well. I am just going a mile a minute. I'm stoked. I cannot believe I'm here. Finally, big thanks to the mysterious benefactor who made this happen for me. Now, we are outside the batch. It's about, what, 930 in the morning, Friday morning. We have not gone in yet. Uh, 10 o'clock, there's going to be a movie. There's a tiny little creepy classic storeroom open. Uh, 10 o'clock, we're going to go see the movie, right? Yes, please. Yes, Monsters We've Known and Loved, I think it is. Right. We're going to go in there. And, you know, for this episode of Monster Kid Radio, I think what we're going to do is just bring you some general coverage from Monster Kid Radio. And then if all goes well, and I don't get in any kind of trouble because I'm stalking Julie Adams' table <laughs> for the next few weeks here in Monster Kid Radio, we'll bring bringing you all kinds of content from the show. Now, we're doing things differently on this episode. I'm not doing a fully produced episode. This is all straight up raw, no edits. So if we make any mistakes or whatever, just bear with us and blame it on my overall excitement. What are you two most excited about seeing here at the Bash? Who wants to go first? I don't know how excited I would say, but I'm more concerned about having to wrangle you around here. <laughs> You're going to be going crazy. I don't think, uh, we, I think we should have gotten that uh, dog collar or something so we can keep a leash on you. <laughs> I'm just kind of looking forward to the whole experience. I've been to a couple of other horror-type conventions, uh, Horror Hound and Days of the Dead, and I'm kind of curious to see how Monster Bash compares. I'm in the same boat. We've done Horror Hound. I've done Crypticon in Seattle and things like that. The World Horror Convention recently. This is my first classic horror, classic monster con. Uh, hopefully it won't be the last monster bash I ever do. I've been wanting to do this for years and I can't wait to see how uh, this crowd parties, I guess is the best way to put it. We ran into Vince Rotolo and Mary from the B-Movie cast last night on our way in while we were checking in, getting our registration, getting our name tags and such. I'm sure we'll be running into Vince again. Christopher Armim is one of the vendors. Joe Stuber is going to be here. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm just going to try to record with anybody and everybody that we can. Any other words before we get into the meat of this episode from Scott and Tracy? Is it open yet? a few hours into my first Monster Bash. It is Friday, early afternoon, had some lunch, and I am hanging out in a conference room right now because we are trying to get an interview down. When I say me, it's not just me. It's Joe Stuber from Comic Book Central, former guest here on Monster Kid Radio. He comes on to do the Abbott and Costello movies. The man is a bundle of energy, and he may have set us up with some awesome interviews here on Monster Kid Radio to cover Monster Bash. I mean, this is exciting stuff. I'm not going to tell you who it is, though, because I don't want to jinx it. And there's a 
chance it might not happen because of scheduling, but we're going to find out and I'll keep you all posted. I've been having so much fun. I got a chance to chat with Vince and Mary from the B-Movie cast as well as Juan. He was there as well and then a few other podcast listeners. It was cool to meet him. I met with Mel. Now, we played his voicemail on the show a few weeks ago. He said he was going to be here. He was in the you know, I'm going to call it the pre-dealer's room. It wasn't like the real dealer's room. It was just to set up for Creepy Classics, which is the organization behind Monster Bash. I think that's the relationship. Anyway, we were in there, and boy, that room could do a lot of damage. And the dealer's room hasn't even opened yet. It opens at 3, which is when my interview is scheduled with Joe and, well, this very special guest. So stay tuned. Hopefully we'll have that on a future episode of Monster Kid Radio. I'll come back on in a little bit and go from there. I'm having a blast. One of the things I've been looking forward to do here at Monster Bash is playing rounds of the Classic Five with people. The Classic Five is the quick answer, rapid fire game that we play here on Monster Kid Radio with various guests. Typically, it's a yes or no question, a this or that. Do you like this one? What movie would you like to see happen with this or whatever? It's a quick fire, don't think too long and hard about it type of game that we do here. And you know what? We're just going to break the ice. We're going to play the first round of the Classic Five here at Monster Bash with Scott. Scott, how you feeling, man? I am so ready to play this game. I studied last night for six hours. Which is probably why Scott said, what well, do you want to play around of it right now? He's the one that brought it up. So I've got a deck of cards. Soon there will be a home version. I'm hoping later this year, maybe around Christmas time. But I've got a deck of cards right now with questions all pertaining to classic monster movies. We draw five cards. Scott goes through them and gives us his first response. You ready, Scott? Let's hit it. First card. Hammer Films or Amicus Productions? Hammer, of course. I've never seen an Amicus film at this point. We'll work on that. Next card. Boris Karloff or Bella Lugosi? Karloff, all the way. Oh, boy. I'm on Team Lugosi. We might have to fight. Next card. King Kong or Godzilla? Oh, got to go with Godzilla. Uh, I, I'm in a Godzilla kind of mood these days. I'm, I'm down with that. King Kong or Mighty Joe Young? Ooh, that one's tough. Are we going originals on both? Whatever you bring to the table, it's up to you. I'm going to have to go with King Kong. Good man. I really like Mighty Joe Young as well. We need to cover that on the show proper someday. Final card. Last one. What classic monster movie would you like to see as an animated remake? The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Wow, that'll be nice. All right, Scott, thank you for playing the Classic Five. I'm sure we'll do it again at some point. I sure hope so. All right, we've got another round of the Classic Five this time with Tracy Morris. And Scott's drawing the cards. What do you got? What classic monster movie would you like to see turned into a live-action television series? I'd kind of like to see maybe Dracula. Excellent. Next question. What two 1930s monster movies would make a great double feature? Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Good call. I'm on board. Number three. Favorite Ed Wood film? Can I go with uh, the Tim Burton Ed Wood? Of course. (laughs) Number four, what classic monster movie would you like to see turned into a theme park attraction? I would probably go with Frankenstein again just because I think it would be awesome to see the lab in um, person. To do the, the like as a walkthrough attraction walk-through. kind of thing? Yep. Oh, nice. All right, final question. No, no, oh, wait, I, hold on. I, I want to ride up to the ceiling, up to the roof. Oh, yeah. As the monster. Oh, man. And then you come out of the windmill at the very end? Sure. Why not? All right, final question. Favorite Bella Lugosi role? I liked him in uh, Wolfman as Bela. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting an Ed Wood flick. That's, wow. 
Any thoughts on what are your reactions to that? I am shocked. I was expecting an Ed Wood film as well. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I'm, we'll play again this weekend at some point, I'm sure. Thanks, I want, Tracy. I want a home version of this game. There will be a home version of this game. I've got more questions that have not made this initial prototype printing. And I'm thinking around Halloween, Christmas, we will have a home version available through, well, Let's just leave it at that. I don't want to jinx it. Through the internet. Through the internet. The big store known as the internet. They take cards there from what I understand. Monster Kid Radio listeners, I'm across the table from Arch Hall Jr. How's Monster Bass treating you, sir? Treating me very well, Derek. It's a pleasure to be here. This is my second Monster Bash. Uh, I was here two years ago. And... uh, it's been a blast. We've had a great time this time. Even uh, I think it's an even bigger crowd than uh, two years ago we saw. Well, this is my first year, and I'm having a blast. So this is a, a great convention for people like me who love these movies like Ega. Of the movies that you are known for, which is your favorite? Well, uh, if you ask somebody who's a, an artist or a musician, usually the thing <laughs> that they enjoy the most uh, is the thing that they've worked on uh, in the most recent time. And I can okay. report that uh, up until just a few weeks ago, uh, I had not been actively working as an actor. I had not done any movies for uh, 50 years. That's uh, five zero, half a century. Uh, the last film I was in was Deadwood 76. And that was 1964, and uh, uh, a young filmmaker contacted me a few months ago by the name of Michael S. Rodriguez to uh, work in a film he's working on uh, called Lamb Feed. And I just finished uh, about three days of work up in uh, California for him, and uh, well, we'll see. Lamb Feed will probably be out uh, sometime maybe in October or possibly before. But that's the latest thing. Uh, I play a deranged uh, special forces uh, medic <laughs> who has a uh, addiction to eating human gallbladders. So you know, it's a, it, and I'm the patriarch of a dysfunctional family, which is into cannibalism and incest and uh, butchery, and it's uh, it's got something to offend the whole family, you know. But uh, of of the, the of the traditional uh, six movies that I was in for Fairway International. Uh, my favorite, or, or what uh, I'm sort of uh, most proud of, is The Sadist, of course. Uh, and uh, it's widely recognized as a, as a unique and kind of a, uh, unusual film that sort of all the uh, stars became aligned. And it, uh, for a low-budget film, it's, it's gained quite a lot of notoriety, which it's maintained over the years. And it's even used in film schools for a study. So I would have to say of, the, of, the, of all the films, it would be The Sadist. But Wild Guitar and Ega have unique followings, and they represent, uh, uh, they represent strange uh, uh, and wonderful uh, you know, compilation of friends and, and former comrades when they were filmed you know, years ago. So it's hard for me to really single one out. But you know, the one I'm, performance I'm probably most proud of is, is The Sadist, but I really like them all. Uh, Wild Guitar and Ega are real special on their own standing, though. I love the music in Wild Guitar. The Sadist, I think, is kind of ahead of its time. And, of course, Ega, it's got... It's a monster movie, so I gotta love that. Now, your father directed that one, right? Uh, sort of? Sort of, sort of, yes. Uh, Ega, uh, speaking of, uh, yes. it was made... was actually filmed in 1961. That was the year I graduated from high school. Wow. At Coachella Valley uh, Union High School in the, in the low desert in California. 
near Indio, and uh, it was filmed that summer, and it was a hot summer. It got up to 112 degrees, uh, and uh, Richard Keel and I were uh, sometimes uh, almost passing out in the heat, but uh, we had a lot of fun, a lot of work, and uh, it's, a, it's a unique uh, experience. The whole EGA thing became, uh, came to light when we were promoting it on the road, traveling across country and we realized how many especially children uh, idolized Ega and uh, were absolutely devastated to him being killed at the end of the movie and that that wasn't quite realized I don't think fully by my dad or or Richard or anybody but we we certainly learned that uh, when the kids at the end of the movie and we did a, a, a appearance in a, a walk-in theater and uh, the kids would be crying and then suddenly the lights would come up and Richard would come down in the Ega uh, caveman uniform and everything and uh, kids would run and hug his leg and tears were coming down their eyes oh we're so happy you're, you're okay Ega we love you Ega we love you you know so it's a it's a monster that people love uh, and it's, Ega's not really a monster it's a you know prehistoric man that somehow got lost in time in, in Palm Springs California it's a probably the, and falls in love with a teenage uh, girl blah 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 so it's about the most obscure ridiculous concept of a story that anyone could possibly could con- concoct however it, people love it you know mm-hmm. and, it, and it, it strikes a chord while guitar is another thing that, that strikes a chord with people because it's kind of the, the moral of the story is even people that are crooks like uh, Mike McCauley the crooked uh, promoter and record guy they still deserve a second chance, you know. People can train. They can. Uh, they deserve a, a chance to straighten up and uh, fly right, so to speak. So they're they're all different. They're they're kind of feel good movies. Yeah, the sadists maybe not feel good so much. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> but uh, but for Fairway, that was uh, that was you know there was only the the six films that were ever produced by Fairway International stand on their own as being in different categories, but kind of you know cult classics are appreciated by different people that appreciate old films and, uh, and i'm flattered of course that, that people are still interested in my old old movies can i ask you about the car that you drove in ega was that your car is that something that was brought to the production i'm assuming uh, derek you mean the the dune buggy oh yeah okay well the dune buggy actually was my car and nice. it, it started out life in life as a uh, 30, 1939 plymouth sedan uh, flathead six engine and uh, we cut the body off of it and uh, threw it away and cut uh, the frame and shortened about three or four feet of the frame and shortened the drive shaft and these these were done not terribly scientific methods we did it with cutting torches and big planks of steel and and gas welding it so after we finished it it worked it seemed strong enough and that was fine but however during the filming we were jumping it off of sand dunes and things and this overstressing of the bad gas contaminated welds broke uh, on two occasions oh. that I remember and the car uh, collapsed and uh, the steering wheel pinned me in the seat I couldn't get out so they had to get up on about four people had to get up and push on the windshield and the seat to to let the frame relieve me and, and get the steering wheel out of my lap it was pinning me in it and then I, I extricated myself and worked on it and re-welded it and then proceeded to do the same thing and break it again about three <laughs> days later so but no it, its disposition sadly it turned into a sort of a totally 
dysfunctional, destroyed vehicle. I think it was finally hauled to a junkyard on a flatbed truck, but it, it served its purpose and it was fun and it was kind of unique. Uh, being that it was a real automobile, it wasn't a Volkswagen dune buggy. It was a dune buggy that was, you know, made out of an old sedan. So it was fun. You mentioned that you've got a new movie that you were involved with. I'm assuming news for that would be on your website at some point when that gets released. Yes, Derek, it's on. Uh, I don't have anything right now on my website. I have a fairly simple website, but I, I've been using Facebook a lot to communicate with fans and interested people uh, that are interested in my old movies. So. I have posted some things on there, and they're welcome to check also uh, Lamb Feed on Facebook and watch for further developments on IMDb and uh, also on the director uh, Michael S. Rodriguez. Uh, check him out for future developments and when the release date is uh, slated for. And listeners can buy CDs of some of your music from the movies from your website as well. I have one. You've autographed it for me, and I appreciate that. Uh, yes, they're still available. Uh, we're kind of almost out of them right now, but Uh-oh. we're going to try to get some more, and uh, and uh, those are available. So uh, I recommend <laughs> anybody that uh, that wants to get one to just, just give me an email or order it through the uh, website, archalljr.com. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, and have a great rest of your show, sir. Thank you, Derek. Thank you for stopping by. Well, it's still a monster bash. Go figure. That's what this whole episode is about. It's Friday night still. It's about 7.45 or so, and we are waiting for the Abbott and Costello tribute show to start up. Wanted to let everybody know what we've done so far, and it's just Friday night. I mean, I've already done a lot. We've sat in on a presentation by Joel Hodgson, and you know what? I'm going to let the cat out of the bag right now. Joe Stuber and I, we sat down and interviewed Mr. Hodgson about Mystery Science Theater 3000 and a couple of other things. We're going to be playing that on an episode of Monster Kid Radio down the line. We also interviewed... Beverly Washburn from Spider Baby, Star Trek, and a few other things. We'll be talking to her and having that on an episode of Monster Kid Radio down the line as well. Now, like I said, it's just Friday night. There's still so much more to do and see. I've had a blast so far. This is my favorite convention ever. This is the place where I was meant to be. So thank you to the people who made it possible to get me here at Monster, uh, to Monster Bash. It's just, just fantastic. We'll check in later on tonight after the tribute show. I don't know how late I'm going to be able to go. I know things are going all the way until at least 2 a.m. because that's when Revenge of the Creature is going to play. But if I stay up that late, it's going to be hard to get up early tomorrow morning for more fun. So, I know. Decisions, decisions. So it's Friday night at the Monster Bash. Uh, I think we're, we're a little punchy, maybe, or we're just having fun. I don't know. Scott and Tracy, how has a Friday gone for you? And I'll start with Tracy because she's prettier, Scott. I've been having a really good time so far, although I'm sad I missed out on Derek first meeting Julie Adams. I did not get to see the look of adoration on his face. <laughs> Monster Kid Radio fans, this is Scott. I need your help. I've got a Kickstarter going to raise money. I had to take out a small personal loan to bail Derek out of jail because of some incident there at Julie's booth. So check out my Kickstarter. I need a little help. All right. See, uh, uh, these couple of wiseacres here. Um, I did meet Julie Adams. It was well documented by at least three people. 
And in every one of those photos, I was behaving myself, and I was a perfect gentleman. I kind of had to be because my wife introduced me and, and said, this, my husband's in love with you. So at that point, it just was a little weird to begin. I don't know. It was a really <sighs> amazing experience. She was a sweetheart, and I think I've got an interview lined up with her later on this weekend. Fingers and everything else crossed that it happens. But, I mean, that, that was one of the highlights for me. What about you two? I would say probably the highlights for me were the three separate uh, chances to hear Joel Hodson speak. He did a Q&A this morning, and then we got invited to kind of sit in as flies on the wall during an interview session, and then he did his Riffing Myself show this evening, and all three were a hoot. Mine would have to be a little um, seeing for the first time on, on film The Black Cat. Never seen that film before until this weekend and enjoyed it immensely. I want that house. I want Karloff's <laughs> house. That The whole Art Deco design was just awesome. But it blew up at the end of the film. You can't have it. Aww. <laughs> All right, so the interview session, uh, yeah, that was one that Joe Stuber put together for us here at Monster Kid Radio. So Joe Stuber and I interviewed Joel Hodgson. You will hear that on a future episode of Monster Kid Radio. It was a lot of fun. And I'm glad Scott and Tracy got to he'll be in there as well and take some pictures. So again, that was very well documented. You'll be able to see that at monsterkidradio.net and my Facebook page and the Monster Kid Radio Facebook page uh, here in a few weeks. Probably it'll take that long to get everything sorted out and online. Uh, as far as the black cat goes wow it is a late night and everything just caught up with me all at once the black cat it's a fine film i i'm glad you both dug it so which after seeing this movie team karloff or team lugosi team karloff Uh oh still team karloff to the end (laughs) team lugosi he's the good guy karloff was the evil satanist come on karloff was awesome in this film he just the presence and you know the first time you meet him you don't know he's evil and he's just so good at that and then all of a sudden you find out he's satanist it was just kind of surprising and well hidden by him to be fair both lugosi and karloff sold their roles 100 percent it was such a treat to see them act together i can't wait to check out a couple of the other movies they've been in together I think this one is probably the most demonstrative of their acting ability and highlighting the chemistry between the two. They're very adversarial in a lot of the other films, just not nearly as sparkly as they are in this movie. Although I do feel bad for the the good guys in this film because what kind of trouble, how bad do things have to be for you that your only hope is Bella Lugosi? That's, that's never good. I just don't understand how you can be on Team Lugosi when Bela Lugosi takes out a cat in this film. It's true. I'm a cat lover. However, this is the land of make-believe, and I'm sure the cat, no cats were harmed in the making of this production. I just, stunt cat, stunt cat, yes, yes. I'm just a huge Lugosi fan. I love Lugosi, and I'm not saying I don't like Karloff, because I do. And I think the black cat really demonstrates his ability to disappear into a character, as opposed to just being Boris Karloff as so-and-so. He's as so and so I don't know if I'm making much sense but Karloff sometimes doesn't disappear completely into his roles he's still kind of lovable guy breaks for tea that sort of thing and the black cat he really sinks into that character and Lugosi I just I'd want to hang out with Lugosi man I mean 
it just seems spicier to me. I don't know. And you guys stuck around for the talk after the film. Uh, how was that? Uh, very entertaining and very informative. In fact, it may be showing up on a future show. Cross your fingers. What I liked about the talk afterwards, uh, which was done by a film historian, it made me like the f- the film The Black Cat that much more because learned more about why it was made in the way that it was made and why they had so many different horror elements that they kept throwing in there and why that was was really fascinating. Yeah, it was uh, Gregory Mank, who was the historian who talked about it. I've got uh, one of his books. I've been looking at it around all weekend. What is the name of the book? But let me go see Boris Karloff. Well, I, well, I couldn't remember that. The Expanded Story of a Haunting Collaboration. Gregory William Mank. He's here. I hope to chat with him. So fingers crossed, ladies and gentlemen. And Tracy mentioned that they did record that session. And if I can get permission, I will run it on a future episode of MKR just to, you know, talk more about The Black Cat. Because I think that's a movie that we have not talked about here on the show proper. I think it'll be a good one. As far as anything else happening this weekend... What are you looking forward to? You know what? Let's just say tomorrow. Tomorrow. What are you looking forward to? Let me look at the schedule. <laughs> well, I, I might, while, while she's doing that, I might get up early enough to wander down here for some free breakfast cereal and Saturday morning cartoons. Daniel Horn, who unfortunately is not here this weekend due to some other things happening, has told me in the past that it's just fun to hang out here on a Saturday night and have cereal and watch, I'm sorry, Saturday morning, have cereal and watch Saturday morning cartoons. So I might do that. Otherwise, I believe at 10, the dealer's room opens and Abbott and Costello beat Frankenstein is playing as well as, is it a short film or what is it? There is a talk that's going to be titled, I Saw What I Saw When I Saw It. Your host, author Frank Delostrito, will take you on a journey on the impact of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. So Abbott and Costello, we've been talking about the Abbott and Costello monster movies here on Monster Kid Radio with Joe Stuber. You know, there are a couple of Abbott and Costello uh, performers here, the Ultimate Tribute Show. What did you guys think of those two? That was a lot of fun. Not only did they have a couple skits put together, but there were some technical difficulties, and they stayed in character while dealing with those technical difficulties, which I thought was a very nice touch. I was impressed with their timing. They actually got the timing and the mannerisms of uh, Bud and Lou down really, really well. They had the timing down, and like Tracy, the, the ability to improv and reference the modern technology problems happening while staying in character as these performers from the 30s and 40s, just, it was a lot of fun and fantastic, and I believe they're doing something again tomorrow that I'm looking forward to. All sorts of stuff happening, you know, I, I don't know. They're going to set up a drive-in in the parking lot and show 13 Ghosts tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we've got that happening, we've got... All sorts of stuff happening. There's a trivia contest I'm going to sit in on. And what are we looking at? Oh, do we want to talk about that? There is a very special event, a fencing match of all things between Paisley Adams, who is a daughter of one of the Monster Bash programmers, and Tom Savini. Are you going to go to that? Oh, I got to go to that. (laughs) Place your bets now. All right. I don't know if I will be there, but we will count on Tracy to let us know how it turned out and who won. Is that fair? That's very fair. All right. You know, we're going to play this at the end of episode 109 of Monster Kid Radio. I want to thank everybody here at Monster Bash, the people who made it possible for me to come to Monster Bash, everybody that I've talked to here at Monster Bash, and especially Julie Adams, who I hope has a wonderful night tonight. That's not creepy at all. No, not at all. (laughs) 
I'm a little uncomfortable right now. I'm going home with my wife. <laughs> Any final words? I'm just looking forward to the next two days of the event. Excellent. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is protected by a... Uh, I don't remember the rest of it. Creative Commons. No derivative. You know what? You can distribute it. Just don't copy it and claim it's your own. Have a great night. Bye.